FM. The following program is in English. You're tuned in to L'Chaim, to life, with your host, Morris Klein, who just happens to be my baby brother. Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Shalom. Welcome back to our little Lachaim program. And it's great to be getting back into the swing of things for 2022 with new guests and segments, all to do with our Jewish community and Jewish world, with the centrality of Israel, a light unto the world, which I dearly love, and that goes without saying. We've had lots of great feedback to our first Lachaim 2022 last week. Thank you to everyone for your kind, generous thoughts and suggestions. Please keep them coming. Okay, tonight we are going to hear about another amazing organization that supports Israel and its brave, brave soldiers, ZDVO, Beit Halachim. And my co-Lachaim presenter, Mori Frankel, is off to the Caulfield race course. Now exploring Israel with Effie this week, he's doing what he does best, he's guiding. And he has three more groups lined up for the rest of the week. We will hear all about it next week. So it's Lachaim time, two life, Jewish life and more here on 92.3 FM, three triple Z. They're off. Jared Newton is the general manager, corporate affairs of the Melbourne Racing Club, a position he has held for more than three years. Jared looks after government relations and manages the MRC Foundation, which is the charity arm of the Melbourne Racing Club. Prior to his current position, he was a political advisor to federal ministers, the Honourable Alan Tudge and the Honourable Greg Hunt. And these followed a couple of years as General Manager, Government Relations at Australia Post. Jared, welcome to Lachaim. Thanks, Murray. Good to be with you. In 2019, the MRC announced a $300 million vision for Caulfield Racecourse with key changes seeming to focus on the racing aspects, including the construction of a new inner track, redeveloped grandstands and relocation of training away from Caulfield, which would make significant areas available for improved public use. In April of last year, updated plans revealed an ambitious $570 million redevelopment, which included a community precinct that would be about 10 times the size of the MCG. Jared, could you tell our listeners where the motivation for the original development came from and how it has evolved into the plan we see today? Yeah, sure, Murray. Back in May 2019, the club did announce its master plan for the racing areas of the Caulfield Racecourse, which included new grandstand, new horse areas, moving the current glasshouse club venue away from the position it is now to open the reserve up for public use and to also improve the racing experience for racegoers. That's been a, a journey the club's been on for, for many years and as look as part of its 65-year lease, which it signed with the government back in 2018, which was about exiting training at the venue. It was about also opening up the reserve itself, not just for the use of racing, but also for its other uses, which is you know public park and recreation and just giving greater public use for the community. And our plans itself is $300 million. You cited that $570 million redevelopment. That's also uh, factoring in the, the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust, who are the land manager 
manager of the reserve. We are a tenant of that trust. And that $570 million figure that they quote is, it's not only just the $300 million of the racing infrastructure that we're looking to improve, but that's also the community infrastructure the trust is looking after. And that includes new football ovals, hockey fields, soccer fields. You know, they're embarking on a, on a process themselves with the local community as to how best to unlock that. But that $570 million encompasses everything racing and community use. I saw in one of the articles uh, online that uh, very few people know that there are areas where you can access just generally. I wasn't aware of that myself. No, that's right. I I think it's something probably historically that not everyone has known. I mean, it it has been a well-kept secret. There are some locals that do know it. I think the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust has been in effect since late 2018, have done a good job engaging the community and making them aware that on non-race days, it is a public park accessible for the community every other day of the year. And prior to training exiting, the reserve opens from 9.45 once the last horse left the track and would then close again for access at sunset for when training would usually start at 3am in the morning. But the club has worked pretty closely with the trust over the last few years and training has exited the reserve already. So there is no more training at Caulfield mm-hmm. Racecourse Reserve. You know, the use of the reserve is basically unencumbered for the public. So when there's no racing at the reserve, it is just a, a public park for everyone. And we've seen certainly through COVID with people being locked down and, and looking for community space to use, the use of the reserve has increased, you know, probably five, six, sevenfold since pre-COVID. I think the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust um, have done a good job at letting the community know that there is a great space here in the middle of that racecourse, which is available for use. How's the plan development uh, come along? Has it reached its final stages? Yeah, so it's in multi-stages. So we announced, I guess, the broad vision in 2019 and the the parts of the vision which have works have started include the new horse areas, which is new horse stalls, you know, a new parade ring, I guess what's called Guinea's Car Park, which is directly across the road from the Caulfield train station entrance. Work is, is ongoing there of building a, a flexible, I guess, event deck there. We're working through with the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust now on how we move the glass house and move it further down out of the way so it does actually open up the precinct to make it a much more welcoming site for the community to also walk onto and unlock that space. The the part that's probably not quite resolved yet is the final design of the grandstand, but that's something the club is going to work through with its members and, and the broader racing industry and community for that matter on design and we'll probably work through that in 2022 and make an announcement, release those plans and go through the approvals for those plans uh, later this year, early next year. And all of these are in step with the various government instrumentalities that are involved? That's right. So the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust did a, you know, a lengthy consultation piece on their land management plan, which was their vision for the entire precinct, which covered racing, recreation and the public park. The club's vision is reflected in that land management plan in full. And the, the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust do support and endorse our plans for what we want to do for the racing. So there is broad support. And when the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust they launched their plan, I think back in April last year, yeah, the club was represented at that launch with the council, with the trust and, and members of the state government were there. And, and there was great unity among all those groups on what we're trying to achieve, which is not only create a world-class racing and event precinct, but also a, a much better improved public park, which which you know, I think you know, Glen Iris 
Yarra being one of the municipalities in Melbourne with not a heap of open public space, but certainly just sort of unlock the potential of a lot of that land, non-racing land in the middle of the track for greater use, MRC endorse and, and support. I read uh, from some council notes that uh, the Glen Eyre municipality, it's either the lowest or amongst the lowest available sort of free space uh, of all the council areas. So uh, it's obviously a very important thing. Are you answerable at all to, you know, to governments? Absolutely. So when the MRC, the process it needs to undertake to get a lot of its works done, I mean, it, it first needs permission and approval from the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust as our I guess, landlord, for want of a word. Mm. We then need to go through a process through DELT because we are we do sit on Crown land. And then on top of that, there's there's a statutory process we need to go through and you know, that's planning approvals and the like. So it's quite a robust process the club does have to go through and it is multi-staged. And yeah, it, there is a lot of touch points and starts with the trust. That can mean council. I mean, local council, for example, some of the works that we've undertaken here so the infrastructure works and things we've done, we've gone to council for approval. And then there's been other works on planning, for example, the, the horse stalls and the public realm areas and the events deck that we're looking to do work on currently. That was a process we undertook through the state government. So there's a lot of touch points for the club with various entities. And what has been the input and interest from the public? There's probably three streams of stakeholders we need to manage as a club. And the first one being the racing industry And then there is the Melbourne Racing Club members. We have 15,000 members and we are a member-based organisation. So all our plans, we do engage and and consult with our members on what we intend to do and and why. And then there is the community. I mean, we we are a resident here at Caulfield and, you know, we want to be good corporate citizens locally. So we participated in the Caulfield Racecourse Reserves Trust's land management process. That consultation process went for about 18 months and we participated in that. We certainly will continue to work very closely with them as as our plans continue to develop and continue to also engage and, and consult with the community. So they were generally supported, you know, the overall concept? I think so, yeah. Look, I think one of the points of tension at this reserve for quite a long time was that the local community did feel that disproportionately favoured the racing footprint. And I think now, you know, the, the training has exited Caulfield and, and we facilitated that two years early. So the club has handed 18 hectares of land back to the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust and the community two years ahead of schedule, which occurred in December 2021, to be greater unlocked for public use. And I, I think, yeah, there, there is an overwhelming desire from the community to see, you know, the, the full potential of the reserve to be unlocked for that local use. And look, whatever that may be, I mean, the, the club is very supportive. The club has a 65-year lease. Its footprint on this 54-hectare site is is about 27 hectares, and that's our racetrack and our and our grandstand areas, but there's another 27 hectares there where at this reserve that are free for whatever. And look, the trusts are working through that currently with community as to what is the best use of that land. But the club is certainly very supportive of that and want to see that that community use on that non-racing land maximised to its full potential. So I saw some drawings, I think it was from the architect, and it looked fantastic. A lot of green really looked very impressive if that's how it ends up. Yeah, the trust actually, I think this week, sent out some proposal requests out to the local community to consult on that, on events, on sport and rec. And mm. uh, for any of your listeners out there that are that are, that are are interested in that, they, they probably should have a look at that Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust website. I mean, they're a separate entity to the MRC, but mm. they're an entity we work very closely with, but um, should go, go to that website and have a look at those request proposals and, and participate in that because that public open space in Glen Ira is scarce and, and the trust are, are working through a process as to how best to unlock that 
And I'm sure there'll be a lot of interested listeners you have, Murray, that would be keen to participate in that process. Yes, I'm sure. The MRC has committed $285 million to the project, funded through the sale of the Sandown Racecourse for housing. Are there commitments from the federal and state governments and the local council supporting the development? No, not as yet. So look, at this point in time, just to back up on one point, the, the club has not made a final decision on what it is doing with Sandown. It's oh, okay. it's currently going through a process at the moment where it's looking to rezone that land to assess what future options may exist. But at this point in time, the club is looking to fund its works at the site itself. There is no sort of commitment or any sort of deal with state or federal government on funding. It's, you know, the, the MRC is quite a robust entity and, um, you know, we're well resourced at the minute. No, a lot of our works are at this point in time self-funded. Oh, that's, uh, that's very interesting to hear. Very yeah, unusual. Yeah, it's almost unbelievable. Um, yeah. What time frame are we looking at in terms of start and completion dates? Yeah, so look, the work's on a shoveling ground at the site actually first started in about May 2021. Late last year did get some approvals to do some further work on the public realm in the northern precinct area of the race course. Your listeners are probably well aware there's been some controversies around heritage on the site. Currently there is an interim protection order on the whole site at Caulfield. We're just currently working through with Heritage Victoria what that means, but in the short term we have managed to get some exemptions to continue work in the Guineas car park and some other of the the less controversial areas to continue work on our master plan. From starting the horse areas right to the finish of the grandstand, it's it's a four to five, six-year project. So we're at the very early stages of what will be multiple years of construction. Jared Newton, General Manager, Corporate Affairs, the Melbourne Racing Club. Thanks for providing us with an update on the redevelopment of the Caulfield Racecourse Precinct. It's a major project that will provide exciting facilities for the local and broader communities for many years to come. As you heard from Jared, community consultations on the use of the community space for sporting and recreational activities are now open. Go to the Caulfield Racecourse Reserve Trust website at www.crrt.org.au to contribute to the discussion. All the very best for the redevelopment and many thanks for being on Lachayim and very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much, Murray. It was a pleasure to be on. I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere. And here's the guy that says if the weather's clear, I'm can do Valentine because I'm morning line. This guy, the guy says the horse can do But look at Epitaph He wins it by a half this According to this here And the telegraph For Paul Revere I'll bite I hear his foot's all right Of course it all depends If it rained last night I know it's Valentine's Likes blood This means the horse likes blood And just a minute boys Meets me fox noise It says the great grandfather I tell you, Paul Revere, now this is no bounce here. It's from my handicap, for that's real sincere. I can't feel in time, this guy has the horse champagne. So make it effortless, he wins it by a half. According to this here in the telegraph. Appetite, I got the horse. 
Love that song, Three Greats, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra with Can Do from the musical Guys and Dolls. And it sounds like there is lots doing at the Caulfield Racecourse. Well done, Murray. Great interview with Jared Newton, the general manager there. I would love to get 10% back of all that I deposited on the Fetlach there. Too late, she cried. Never mind. And please don't forget to join in the conversation on the use of this important future community facility at the racecourse. Go to www.crrt.org.au. Okay, time for the INTR News from Israel. I'm Ernie Singer, and this is your daily newscast from Israel News Talk Radio. Palestinian Authority resident Nihad Amin Abaruti, who had served time in Israeli prisons, was killed by Israeli military fire on Tuesday afternoon during clashes which broke out when an Israeli force entered the Sumerian PA village of Nabi Saleh. Citing public broadcasting, the Times of Israel reports the Israel Defense Forces say they used live fire to disperse the rioters. Security forces arrested top Hamas official Abdul Jabbar Jawar before dawn on Tuesday in the Sumerian PA city of Jenin. The Times of Israel reports Jawar has been arrested several times in recent years for his Hamas activities. The Philippine National Police announced on Tuesday that they have uncovered a Hamas plot to recruit local citizens to carry out terror attacks against visiting Israelis and other Jews there. The PNP said that one of those citizens made several trips to Malaysia from 2016 to 2018 when he met the international fugitive head of Hamas's foreign liaison section to discuss the possibility of staging attacks, conducting rallies at selected embassies, and spreading video propaganda in exchange for financial support. Citing a Tuesday morning report by Walla, the Jerusalem Post says Gazans prevented Israeli military bulldozer work on Monday to locate explosive devices and clear up vegetation on the border. More than 10 individuals were involved in the incident, including Hamas operatives. Member of Knesset Itamar Ben-Gvir filed a formal complaint with the Police Internal Investigations Department Tuesday morning, accusing officers of assault and of entering private property to dismantle his temporary parliamentary office in Jerusalem's Shimon Hatzadik or Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood Sunday night when violent clashes erupted after lawmakers from the hostile Joint Arab List confronted Ben-Gvir and his supporters. He vowed on Monday night to stay in the yard of a Jewish home that was firebombed Friday night until there is a permanent security solution and dismissed Mayor Moshe Leon's word of an innovative security system for the neighborhood, which includes more police. Multiple arrests Monday night as violence continued between Arabs, Jews, and police, hours after security forces arrested two people in connection with the arson and seized eight firebombs in the home of one of them. Stones were thrown at Arab houses, and six people were arrested for causing damage to parked vehicles, one on suspicion of throwing stones and two on suspicion of assaulting police officers. On Tuesday, the Jerusalem District Court convicted two Arabs who attacked a young Jew with clubs and stones last April as he walked his dog in the neighborhood and uploaded documentation of the attack to social media. Police are investigating Monday vandalism in the western Sumerian PA village of Jinsafut. Car tires were punctured, and war in Shimon Hatzadik was spray-painted in Hebrew. The Times of Israel reports the eviction of Arab squatters from the neighborhood is one of the focal points in fears expressed by the United States about last May's violence returning to Jerusalem this April when Jews converge on the capital to celebrate Passover, Christians to observe Easter, and Muslims to mark their holy month of Ramadan. A senior Israeli official told the website that Jerusalem is aware of Washington's concerns and that security forces are preparing for the period with the utmost sensitivity. 
Arut Sheva reports the Jerusalem Magistrates Court upheld a ruling Tuesday on a compromise between three young Jewish women in the state in which it was agreed that the state would compensate the three a total of 40,000 shekels after they filed a lawsuit against Jerusalem police for repeated arrests when they held a prayer at the gates of the Temple Mount. Non-Muslim prayer is forbidden on the Mount itself. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett continued his historic trip to Bahrain on Tuesday, meeting with the commander of the U.S. 5th Fleet and members of Bahrain's Jewish community, ahead of a meeting with King Hamad bin Isa al-Khalifa and the country's crown prince and prime minister, Salman bin Hamad al-Khalifa. Despite Russia apparently removing forces from the Ukraine border, the government announced on Tuesday morning that passengers flying in from Ukraine will be exempt from providing a COVID-19 test before the flight until Monday, as the foreign ministry rushed flights out of the tense conflict zone, and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid continued to call on Israelis to leave. Upon landing in Israel, the passengers will perform a PCR test at Ben-Gurion Airport. This has been Ernie Singer at Israelis Talk Radio. The news from Israel is courtesy of INTR. Israel News Talk Radio. Listen online to more straight talk from Israel at israelnewstalkradio.com. As we would all be well aware, our Australian Jewish community has many organizations supporting great causes here in Australia and in Israel. One such very, very important organization that punches well above its weight is ZDVO Beit Halachem. Joining us tonight in Lachaim is Anthony Gaffin. Anthony is the Vice President of ZDVO Beit Halachem nationally and the President of the organization here in Victoria. Anthony Gaffin, welcome to Lachaim, to Life, Jewish Life and More. Thanks, Morris. Thanks very much for having me. Anthony, I'm thrilled to uh, touch base with you again and to have you bring our Lachaim listeners up to speed about the great work of ZDVO Beit Halachem. Please take us through everything ZDVO and what it's all about. Thanks, Morris. Yes, well, ZDVO stands for the Tzahal Disabled Veterans Organization. Tzahal Disabled Veterans Organization is a a group of centers in Israel that provides ongoing facilities, care, and a source of succor to veterans of the Tzahal, the Army, the Navy, all of the armed forces in Israel, who unfortunately became injured or to an extent disabled at some time in their service. In addition to that, it also opens its doors to victims of terror. Many people who have been caught up innocently in a terror attack, who have lost some kind of faculty or facility, are also members of Beit HaLochem. There are four centers throughout Israel. One is in the process of being built now in Haifa, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv and Beersheba. And these centers provide sporting facilities, cultural opportunities, educational opportunities, specifically designed for people with various disabilities. Now, bear in mind that from the outside, they might look like a country club, but these country clubs do not want more members. Unfortunately, there are about 50 thousand members of Beit HaLochem, ranging in age, because there are still people from the early wars, certainly from 73 and possibly even before, until very recent people who've been injured and need that kind of facility, that kind of home from home, that kind of peer support. We raise funds to provide those kind of specialized facilities, specialized sporting, specialized cultural, art, entertainment, a country club feel for people who need that kind of oasis. We tend to take things for granted that uh, Israel has a great army, 
many successes, but we forget of the injured that uh, come out of these wars and the victims of terror. And as you said, there are 50,000 of these uh, injured soldiers and, and victims in terror. And Beit HaLachem ZDVO looks after them for life if necessary. Well, the, the military certainly takes care of the initial rehabilitation, the surgeries, the initial period of convalescence. But after that, the injuries are uh, with people for life. You lose a limb, you lose sight or hearing, and that is with you forever. So it's a long-term proposition. Whilst the state does contribute, as a society, we don't believe that anything is enough. Nothing is too much for the members of Beit HaLochem. It takes a lot of resources to provide that kind of facility, specialized swimming pools with entry and egress for people in wheelchairs or anything from that to complete mobility lost sight, PTSD, everything that you can imagine as part of a military conflict is represented there. Amazing. I read here, ZDVO Beit Halachem. The centers boast an array of exceptional services, including physiotherapy, hydrotherapy, chiropractic treatments, and modified gymnasium programs, on and on and on. And there's no, you know, one particular injury. And I, I read that from the moment that injured soldiers are discharged from hospital, many go straight into the care of uh, ZDVO, Beit HaLachem. You're discharged from hospital with an, a small injury of your own or some surgery, and post-surgery or post-operative, you're going to need physiotherapy. You're going to need all kinds of things. And that starts from the get-go. For many, the focus is on uh, physical fitness and more naturally emotional well-being. As you said, it's quite an extensive sporting facility as well. And many of the uh, injured soldiers and victims of terror go on to be Paralympians. They've won awards. Or in Blitzbau, he's, he's set records as, as an Ironman. We have Moran Samuel, who is an amazing rower. Ruvain Magnaji, an amazing rower. They've achieved serious heights in their sports. The question is, how do we get there? Yeah. How do we provide that? Bear in mind that I said to you that there are all ages. There are both genders and everything in between. You know, it's a complete eclectic mix. Whatever's represented in the general society is represented at Beit HaLachem, whether they're in Jerusalem or in Tel Aviv or Haifa or Beersheba or soon in Ashdod when that unit gets completed. So what we do here in Australia is we hold events. We used to have visitors that would come and give talks in public. We would have cocktail evenings, we would have movie nights, but the COVID situation has really ruined fundraising for us as it ruined it for everybody else. So next week, we're having a virtual event with a couple of amazing speakers, notably a member of Beit HaLochem who was in Golani, who lost a foot, who also achieved sporting heights, and by the way, is not a Jewish Israeli, he's an Arab Christian Israeli. I can see that you want to talk more about our, our event next week. So, uh, Well, absolutely. It, it's a fundraiser. Uh, it's an important event. And your guest um, uh, is well known on social media, uh, Yosef Haddad. And as you said, he's an Arab Christian Israeli and two other amazing heroes. Yosef Haddad is a, say, a young man identified as an Israeli. And though he was not obliged to, he joined Sahel and he was in the elite Golani unit. I'm not going to take his thunder and I'm not going to tell you details about his event and what led him to Beit HaLochem. But in recent years, he has become one of the most amazing ambassadors for Israel because he is refuting publicly on television worldwide the apartheid claim. He is refuting 
all sorts of BDS claims that have been leveled against Israel, and he sees it from his eyes. He calls it like it is. But he doesn't just do this on social media. He stands in the middle of Times Square, New York. He goes into the lion's den uh, and has appeared on South African TV, right with the biggest accusers. He's appeared on multiple international TV stations. And he has recently spoken out about uh, things like the apartheid claim, the Amnesty International so-called report about Whoopi Goldberg's contribution to the argument. He will be appearing as our keynote speaker next week. And I invite everybody to register because it's a, a link that must be sent to you by emailing zdvo at zdvo.com. Or they can call 0416-179-622. Sure. Um, I've been following um, Yosef Haddad uh, for a long time. He wears his heart on his sleeve, passionate. You did steal a little bit of his thunder, but I'm sure there's lots, lots more to come. Morris, I also would like to mention our other speakers, Ido Grenfeld. He is 43 years old now, but he was wounded back in 1996. He was injured by shrapnel, and his, the upper half, half of his body was outside the vehicle. So it absorbed a lot of shrapnel. He lost vision in his right eye, and the vision in his left eye was damaged. He was a month in the Rambam Hospital and uh, they managed to stabilize his left eye vision. His follow-up at Beit HaLochem has, has also been a long journey. He, he went an, to an after-army trip organized by Beit HaLochem uh, because, you know, a lot of soldiers go traveling, become backpackers after they finish. But if, you're, if you have been disabled, then that's a big problem. So Beit HaLochem took people on a trip, and he has managed to come back and, you know, become um, a family man. And he's received the social and psychological support from Beit HaLochem. For him, the realization that there's no need to hide your injury is huge. That is part of the purpose of the organization. Uh, that is part of what it gives people. Uh, Oren Blitzbau, a member of Beit HaLochem Tel Aviv, he, he broke a world record for a blind person in an Ironman competition. Wow, amazing. Yeah. I couldn't do it with my two eyes. So there you go. This is, this is the humbling experience of meeting these people. Outstanding. I'll be uh, joining the event for, for sure. So I really exhort our listeners to please come and support this event and um, register by sending an email to zdvo at zdvo.com. The website for zdvo is uh, zdvo.com and you have a Facebook page. And we should tell our listeners that Beit HaLachem stands for House of Warriors. Yes, that is what Beit HaLochem, in fact, means, the, the, the home of the warrior. And what is most amazing is meeting these people, even if it's only virtually. You cannot walk away from this without being entirely humbled because their issues, the challenges that they face, are in many cases more significant, certainly than the challenges I've ever had to face in my life. And I would imagine that many of us would be the same. Sure. It is incredibly humbling to see the attitude the sense of purpose in life, the way the members of Beit HaLochem contribute to society and contribute to each other, most importantly. Supportive of each other, absolutely. Yes, and that, that is the raison d'etre of our organization. How we achieve this is through events like the one I've just mentioned. If you're looking for a gift to give for a, a significant birthday, what do you give somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s? A trinket? No, give a donation. We are a fully tax-deductible organization. 
And if you want a gift certificate to be emailed to you on the same day, by all means, contact ZDVO at ZDVO.com and our staff will accept a donation and send a gift certificate to a recipient. It's fully tax deductible. And we invite you to use this facility of um, bequests. You know, people who who are, are really in tune with this organization might be motivated to mention the ZDVO in a bequest in the will. Why not? You know, they leave a lasting legacy that really affects people, that really gets them, that really makes a difference. Absolutely, absolutely makes a difference. Once again, the event is next Tuesday, the 22nd of February at 8 p.m. Please, all the information's on the ZDVO website. Anthony Gaffin, Vice President of ZDVO nationally and the President of the Victorian Organisation, thank you for joining us on Lachaim with your wonderful organisation. I can't, I can't say enough about it. They fought for us. They fought for us. Absolutely. Thank you, Morris Luther. See you at the event. See you at the event. Goodbye. That was the very talented Mama Cass Elliot from the Mamas and the Papas, a Yiddish girl taken from us too soon, a blessed memory, with a beautiful song. There's a new world coming way back in the hippie years, 1970. Sadly, I think the new world is still coming and it ain't looking too good, I'm very sorry to say. Unicorns do exist, but maybe not the kind you're thinking of. My name is India, and today you are about to get a special look into the land of unicorns. A unicorn startup is a privately held startup that is valued at over $1 billion. Israel is known for being the startup nation. You might even recognize a few former Israeli unicorns, including Fiverr, Wix, and Waze. And Israel has the most unicorns per capita in the world, making Israel the land of unicorns. 
This is impressive because Israel is a tiny country compared to the U.S. or China, who are also big players in the startup world. On average, 90% of startups fail, so it is extremely rare for startups to even join the billion-dollar club. That's why these kind of companies get the title unicorn. There are over 600 of them in the world, and over 60 were founded by Israelis. Some of Israel's elite tech unicorns include Moonactive, a mobile game startup; Git, an app-based transportation service; Lighttricks, a company that makes content creation apps like Facetune; or Forder, an e-commerce fraud protection company. But what does it take to create one? Hi, my name is Liron Damri. I'm the president and co-founder of the Israeli unicorn Forder. To create a unicorn, you have to have a rare combination of a very good execution and a very strong vision that looks into the long term. If you want to get far, you have to look far. And the Israel unicorn phenomenon may have an explanation. I think Israelis are、uh, having the unique combination of、uh, chutzpah and vision. It's always good. A unicorn is a great responsibility because you know that you carry a ton of value for your customers every day, for your employees, and for the country. If you are hoping to build a billion-dollar business, here is a little advice. Mentorship allows you to skip some of the mistakes. You will keep doing mistakes, but at least some of them will be saved through listening to others' experiences. Unicorns are a powerful force. They provide services to us that we never had before. They create jobs, and they push humanity to be more innovative. Now that startups are scaling up, we are seeing more and more Israeli unicorns. This is proof that no matter how big or small your country may be, great things can come from it. So who knows? Maybe your own billion-dollar idea can turn into one of these. This is the Unicorn Nation. This, This is, is Inside, Inside Israel. Israel. My name is India, and I'll see you next time. Inside Israel of India is courtesy of I24 News, the 24/7 news service from Israel, which streams at i24news.tv and on Australia's biggest news streaming service, Flash. Go to flashnews.com.au and subscribe. Well, it's it's something that makes our life exciting. It's like Sky rockets and brass bands inside of us, and when you got it, those aren't just light bulbs up there; they're spotlights. And that's not just traffic noise you hear out there; it's music. What is it? What is it? It's a word you never heard before, Evelyn. It describes the magic quality. What's the word I never heard before, Emily? Does this magic word apply to me? Well, if you got it, you don't need nothing else. The world's your baby; it's your show. Well, have I got it? I think we both got it. What do we got? I'm dying to know. It's called chutzpah. <laughs>
Love it, love it, love it. Two more old school entertainment icons, Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett with Chutzpah. The whole clip is actually nine minutes. Everyone should really check it out. It is class. And yes, Israel and Israelis have plenty of Chutzpah. But guess what? They keep coming up with great results for the world. You're tuned in to L'Chaim, to life. With your host, Morris Klein. On 92.3 FM, 3 triple Z. Our regular Lachaim listeners would be well familiar with our Mythbuster segment, which principally is about debunking the anti-Zionist, anti-Semitic, hateful lies targeted at Israel. Our Mythbuster man, David Schulberg, wears many hats. 
one being on the board of the Australian Friends of Rumbum Hospital in Haifa, which is the preeminent hospital providing medical services to the northern Israel, which has two events coming up this Sunday, February 20th, and Sunday week, February 27th. Joining us tonight on Lachaim to tell us about these events is the man himself, my good mate, David Schulberg. David, how do? Great to be with you, Morris, as usual. David, you present the Israel Connection program 4pm Wednesday on J-Air. You're the producer of J-Media Online, an outstanding website. You are our mythbuster man here on Lachaim, and you are on the board of the Australian Friends of Rumbum and much more. Don't know where you find the time. Your team, Rumbum, a very proactive team, have a couple of events coming up. Please, some information about the Rumbum Hospital in Haifa, one of the many outstanding hospitals in Israel, and the upcoming events here in Melbourne. Well, Australian Friends of Rumbum, or we call it Ausforum, is a charity linked to the Rumbum Healthcare Campus, bringing together cutting-edge technologies and information which help thousands of citizens in Australia, in particular in Melbourne and Sydney, to improve health in our communities. Now, Australian Friends of Rumbum conducts a range of health and wellness activities such as lectures, events and webinars, utilising local expertise and strengthening global collaboration with world-renowned facilities in conjunction with experts based at Rumbum. So we've got this event on the 20th Sunday, uh, which is a webinar on the topic of innovative biological approaches for the study and treatment of heart disease. Professor Thomas Marwick, who's Director and Chief Executive at the Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute, together with Professor Leo Gepstein, Director of Department of Cardiology, Director of Division of Research at Rumbum Healthcare Campus. And the following week, so that we actually do something to, uh, to physically to uh, improve our heart health, we get on our bikes, those who are participating in the fourth Rumbum ride, at 7.30am in collaboration with Maccabi Cycling Victoria, we'll be uh, conducting a, a ride of two routes, one of 45 kilometres for the more serious amongst us and one of 20 kilometres for those who are a little bit more inexperienced in riding a bike. So we want people to join the ride and help raise awareness for sudden heart failure. And this ride, many of the riders are being sponsored by lots of people. It's a fundraiser. Yes, we want you to go to our uh, website at My Cause and uh, register to join the ride or support the ride by sponsoring one of the riders that uh, you happen to, to know and would like to help in supporting what they're doing. And that website's www.mycause.com.au forward slash events forward slash rum bum ride four. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I'm glad that you, I didn't have to say it, Morris. Yeah. No, no, great stuff. Uh, the ride's been going for uh, four years, raised a lot of money. An, an outstanding hospital in the north, uh, which has many car park levels, but I believe uh, during times of war they can convert um, much of the car park into a hospital. Yes, they uh, they have at certain times uh, done that, yes. I haven't actually visited the, the hospital itself, and that's uh, definitely uh, something that I would uh, love to do at some stage. And I recommend anybody who goes to Israel that they should uh, go there and see what an amazing facilities they have there. I want to say that one of the key points, though, in what we do is, is collaboration between what the Rumbum can offer and what uh, we have here in Australia, because we want to bring benefit to those in Australia, as uh, that's one of our key uh, points that we're working towards. So we, um, we are facilitating flagship research collaboration between the Rumbum Healthcare Campus 
and Australian medical research institutions. So we expect to have uh, somebody arriving on a fellowship next year to share his expertise with us. And we're encouraging this kind of sharing of information and case studies between experts from Rumbum and local experts. Outstanding. So the two events are Meet the Experts this uh, Sunday, the 20th, Innovative Biological Approaches for the Study and Treatment of Heart Disease. That's uh, on Sunday. All the information is on the the website, www.osforarm.org.au. And Cycling from the Heart, Join the Ride, February 27th, commencing at 7.30 a.m. Again, all the information is at the Australian Friends of Rumbum website, uh, which I just gave out, and on the Facebook page, Australian Friends of Rumbum. David, we don't have a lot of time. Thanks for joining us. We'll get you back again for a... uh, Longer I want to mention one thing about... before we go, Morris. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Southwick has been there on uh, previous occasions to launch the ride. Rumour has it that he's actually going to be participating this year. Oh, wow. And in the past, you've had uh, uh, Israel's ambassador to Australia launch the ride. Yes, uh, we, we yeah. have. Yes, so we haven't tried to invite the, the new ambassador down. I think we'll too soon. To, uh, get more accustomed to his new role. All right, Dave. Thanks for joining us and um, keep up the Mythbusters as well. Yes, they, uh, they're coming thick and fast. Yasha koyach, mate. Yasha koyach. It's good news week. Have you heard the news? What did it say? And now for headlines from tomorrow's Australian Jewish News, the voice of Australia's Jewish community. Aussie Robinson in Ukraine. Robin inducted. Blinken on his Melbourne ties. Survivors reunited after 74 years. Neo-Nazi group condemned. Hamer slams Shoah comparisons. ALP distances itself from senators Amnesty slur. Bennett in Bahrain. Prison sentence for anti-Semitic poster. Muslim groups call for closure of Holocaust exhibition. To read more coverage of local, federal and international news, opinion, arts, lifestyle and sport, pick up your copy of the Australian Jewish News from newsagents and supermarkets in southeast of Melbourne or for weekly home delivery, subscribe at subscribe.jewishnews.com. Okay, that's it for another informative, entertaining Lachaim to life, Jewish life and more here on 92.3 FM 3ZZZ, if I don't say so myself. We're exactly two weeks out from JIF, the Jewish International Film Festival 2022, commencing the 2nd of March. The program booklet is available at many retail outlets with tickets on sale for the festival now at www.gif.com.au which also has lots of additional GIF information. And GIF Artistic Director Eddie Tamir will be joining us next week on Lachaim for a GIF update. Can't wait. See you at the movies, especially GIF at Jewish and International Film Festival Brought to you by Lindy and Eddie Tamir, along with their Classic and Lido Cinemas here in Melbourne. Right, you'll find in about 15 minutes to half an hour a recording of tonight's Lachaim program at 3zzz.com.au. 
Click on the down arrow in the Listen to a Show Square and scroll down to the Jewish group. You'll find it there. Links to YouTube recordings of tonight's interviews will be posted to the Lachaim and Morris Klein Facebook pages tomorrow. Lachaim podcasts are also available at JWire, Digital Jewish News Daily for Australia and New Zealand. Or go to the Jewish Life page on the Social Blueprint Jewish Resources website. Please check out the other two programs that make up the Jewish group here at 3 Z. The Hebrew Hour, 3 p.m. on Friday, and the Yiddish Hour, 11 a.m. on Sunday. If you'd like to contact us here at Lechaim, our email is lchaim3zzz at gmail.com. For only $16, please consider becoming a member of the Jewish group here at 3 Z. And for seniors, it's just $11. Again, click on 3zzz.com.au. Many thanks again to Team Lechaim, Dr. George Banky, the executive producer, Dr. Murray Frankel, and Jeff Deegan. And we are closing out with another couple of old-school comedy entertainment legends, Abbott and Costello. So thank you for tuning in, and please join us again next week on L'Chaim. My name is Morris Klein. I'm Yisrael Chai, and peace. a baseball team here at the retired actors home and i am the manager now you're going to be the manager of the retired actors baseball team yes i would like to join the retired actors baseball team oh you would and i would like to know some of the guys names on the team so if i want to play with them i know them and i meet them on the street or in the home here i can say hello to them oh sure but you know they give baseball players nowadays very peculiar names you know, a lot of funny names you know like uh, sticky Stick fields sticky fields uh, goofy dan booby bobber booby bobber i know all <laughs> 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 well, let's see. Now, we have on our team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find then, out, the guy's name. And then, uh-huh. That's what I want to find out, the guy's name. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Now, Abby, you now, going to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You said none yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Is on third. You know the guy's I'll... names on the baseball team. Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Now, wait a minute. I'm, not... I'm asking you who's on first. That's his name. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. <laughs> That's his name. Well, you ain't said that. I ain't asking nothing. You did. You know the guy's name on first base. Sure. Go ahead and tell me the guy's name on first base. Who? <laughs> the guy playing first base. Who is on first, Lou? What are you asking me no, for? Don't get excited. I'm saying who. I'm asking you a simple question. Who's on first? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? <laughs> yes. I'm asking you, what's the guy's name on first oh, base? Oh, no. What's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. <laughs> don't mix up my. I'm not mixing up anybody. Now, what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. How did, I, how did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. I mentioned his name. Yes. I don't know anybody's name on the team. I, how could I mention a guy's name? You did. You just mentioned it. All right. What's the guy's name on third base? No, what's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on first. You ready? I didn't even mention it.
seem to understand. See, I have a first baseman. You, I know you got a first. Gets his, I asked you, what's, what's the first? I asked you, what's the first baseman's name? No, what's the second baseman's name? I, I'm going to start asking you, sir. I asked you, what's the first baseman's name? What's the second baseman's I don't even get past the first. All right, who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? You talk about anyone you want to talk about. All right, now, who's on first? Right. Okay. No. No, 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 no. All right, you got a first baseman. Yes. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. Every dollar of it. Who gets it? He does. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. Why not, Lou? He's earned it. Who did? Yes. Look, will you pay off the first base from anyone? Do you get a receipt from the guy? Sure. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. Who? The guy you give the money to. Well, that's how he signs it. That's how who signs it? Yes. Who got come? That's it. Who? And you say to him, here's your money, sign the receipt. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. That's how he signs it. That's how who signs it? Yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you got to get a receipt from the guy, don't you? Get one, Lou. How does the guy on first base sign his name? Who? The guy on first. That's how he signs it. I'm asking, when you give the guy the money, what's the guy's name that you give the money to? Now, wait a minute. What signs his own? Who signs his own? No, who signs his? <laughs> What's the guy's name on first you get What the... is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> the fielder's name, the center field. I don't know. If I... You got a pitcher on a team? Well, this be a fine team without a pitcher. It's a fine team. Without... The pitcher's name. Tomorrow. Uh, you well, don't I, can't, I, I can't change that name. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you. Go ahead. Tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. <laughs> Why not tell me today? I am going to tell you. All right, what time tomorrow you tell me the pitcher's name? What time what? What time tomorrow you going to tell me who's pitching? Who is not pitching? I'll break your arm, you say who's on first. I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base, third base. Third base. You got a catcher? <laughs> Certainly you've got a catcher on a baseball team. Catcher's name? Today. Today. Tomorrow's pitching, today's catcher. Now you've got it. Now i got it. All I got, we got a couple of days on the team, that's I all. I can't help that, Lou. I don't You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good catcher myself. So they tell me. Yeah, now I get behind the plate and I'm going to do some fancy catching and tomorrow's pitching on my team, right? Yes. Now tomorrow he winds up the ball and I'm behind the plate and the heavy hitter gets up. Yeah. Now the heavy hitter gets up and, he, and he's ready to hit the ball and tomorrow's going to throw the ball. I'm the catcher. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to try, tomorrow throws the ball and the guy that punched the ball. Now when he punched the ball, me being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now who's got it? Naturally. Sure. <laughs> Naturally. Ah. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to natural. No, no, no. 
You throw the ball to first base, then who gets it? Naturally. That's it. Now you're <laughs> I pick up the ball, so I throw it to Natural. You don't. I throw it to who? That's, That's what I'm saying! <laughs> I say I throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's Same as you! Say it that I throw the ball to Natural. You don't. You throw it to who? Now who's got it? Naturally. That's what I said. Whoever it is better get it. That's all I can Don't worry about who. Who get it? Yes. He better get it. All right. Now, I throw the ball to whoever it is drops the ball so the guy runs a second. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to Tamar. Triple play. Could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I mean, he didn't... <laughs>